season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR podcast today we have director of pitching at players performance factory and diamond prospects media ceo cam leach on the JKR podcast for the baseball business series presented by old fort baseball cam super pumped to get you on the show man how are you doing today not too bad man how about you doing good i uh, got three interviews scheduled here today got you got um the perfect game national cross checker we're getting on here as well gonna dig into a lot of baseball i'm looking forward to it but first off before we dig into you know diamond prospects before we dig into the indiana braves and just players performance factory i got one question i'd like to ask everybody to start off the jk podcast and that is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is Cam Leach? Um, I would describe myself as a just a guy who is all about baseball. Uh, whether that's training, coaching, or watching baseball, it's what I'm about. Uh, I love to see players succeed. I like to be part of that. I like to be able to help them and know that what I gave them, what I've helped them train on, you know, uh, just words of wisdom, you know, just a little bit of you know, wise words here and there from past experience and what's to come, you know, that's who I am. I like to make sure that players understand that, you know, I am just as they are, you know, I, I can speak to them. I can talk to them. I'm a, I'm a person as well as a coach, as well as a trainer and all those things above. So. Okay. So with a guy that's all about baseball, kind of take us through your baseball background. You know, as I was doing some research, saw you played some collegiate ball, played here in, you know, the central Southern part here of the state there at Franklin, take us through your baseball background and that what that was like. Yeah. So um, I uh, actually back in high school, I went to Franklin central uh, down South side of Indianapolis, which, uh, you know, now that Franklin community's taken off the new, the, they always, we always would get into little heated exchanges from the dugout about FC who is FC, but you know, right now Max Clark's putting the name on for FC, so he gets to take it. But um, yeah, I started, I started there and then my senior year was 2018. I was originally committed. I played with uh, Indiana Nitro for travel ball. I was originally committed to Indiana tech to go play baseball there. Um, really good NAI program up there. Um, not knocking on that and why I didn't go there. Uh, it was more so for me and like my, my degree stuff and just being two hours away up North and just in a spot. I wasn't really like sure if I wanted to be in. Uh, so that summer of 18, U, we had some coaches reach out to the UND staff and was like, Hey, we've got a pitcher. Uh, he's wanting to stay a little bit closer to home. You know, what, what do you guys have available? And they're like, we're definitely looking for more pitching. Uh, let us know. And they came out and watched me through. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, on a visit there and decommitting two weeks before school starts. Uh, felt pretty bad about that one. And, you know, especially when he's hits you with the, well, what am I supposed to do with all this extra money now? We're two weeks away from school. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, just give it out to somebody else. I guess. I don't know. I was like, you know, this is a better fit for me. I'm sorry, but ended up at UND. Um, my freshman year was a, a roller coaster, man. Um, when I came in, all I wanted to do was, you know, I wanted to pitch. I wanted to pitch right then. I didn't, I didn't want to sit out. You know, but taking a step back now, even after the fact, looking at it, I'm able to notice, you know, hey, we had 15 senior pitchers that year, uh, roughly, and most of them were on the, the rotation. 
And then, uh, you know, we had a lot of freshmen that were incoming, so we needed to learn a lot. So I redshirted my freshman year there, um, which honestly, at the time, you know, at the time when you get told you're redshirting, it's it's like the world's ending. You're like, oh, my God, I suck. What did I do wrong? But then, you know, rolling with those punches and just being like, okay, this is the time to get better, which honestly, I'd say if it wasn't for my redshirt season, I would not be where I'm at right now because, that was the time I got to dive into pitching. That's when I got to learn every last detail, you know, how to use your legs, how to use your core, how to have the proper hip hinge, how to, you know, lead leg blocking, you know, driving off the backside, you know, all this different stuff and, you know, hip to shoulder separation, all these crazy different terms that nowadays when you start talking about it, some kids look at you like, what in the hell are you talking about, man? And it's like, well, we'll get there. So, you know, I, I took that whole year just to really learn and develop a good plan for myself. And then I felt like the plan went perfectly. And you know, I was getting stronger. I was throwing harder, um, throwing more strikes too, had better off speed. I developed a slider and a changeup that year, which when I was in high school baseball, it was just fastball. A, like a, a slurve I'd say and then uh, a little bit of a, a change up that wasn't very good you know sometimes it was be in the dirt sometimes it'd be in the glove uh, so we developed that and then um, I got out there my sophomore year and had a really good fall uh, I think I threw I think in my eyes I threw pretty damn good and then we get into individual work as teams spill it up and uh, I ended up tearing my UCL on a throw. I think it was, I believe the throw that it was, we were long tossing, trying to go for that 300 foot mark. And the ball only went about a hundred feet. And I was like, oh, that didn't feel too right. Like, let's, uh, let's try this one more time. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have tried it again. Uh, coach looked at me and goes, I, let's go to the trainer. And then next thing you know, we're in the hospital a few weeks later and getting surgery on the elbow. And uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what did it for me with my collegiate career, honestly. Uh, I tore my UCL and then COVID hit uh, the day I started my throwing rehab. We all got sent home. Uh, so that put a big damper in it. And that was, you know, six months of no PT, no athletic trainer, no structure around a program, not knowing exactly how to build this arm back up and then get back to school in August and go to the doctor again. He hits me with, you know, didn't really take as well as we'd like, um, if you want to get back, like you're probably going to need another surgery. And I was like, well, at that point, man, that was like, that was like someone just shot me. I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, Cause every time I was throwing, I was still having pain in my elbow from the same pain I had before surgery. So uh, to me, it was like, this is a never ending cycle. So I decided that year um, I was going to hang it up. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to play. I loved the team. Um, also, I will say, man, that COVID year was weird. All the rules and regulations they were putting in, it was, that was a big driving factor too. I was like, man, I got to be at home all the time. Like I can't go to class. I can't go to like, they have all these rules. I was like, you know what? Like if, if I, if I can come back next year, cause the coach told me, you know, you come back next year, arm feels good. You're here. Like, that's fine. You all, you'll still have a spot. Needless to say, arm didn't really keep up that well. Um, but now we're, we're, we're kind of at a point now where the arm, the body's just kind of healed itself in a way. And it's taken so much time that, you know, it has days where I'll be doing, you know, some lessons and elbow tighten up a little bit or hurt a little, but we have most days we can throw a little and, you know, we're not back where we were by any means, but we can still throw it around and still chuck it up. So, 
you know, I, I still enjoy playing and stuff and everything. And, you know, that's one thing I wish I would have gotten a little bit more time out there on the field, especially with the guys at UND. I mean, that was a really good program. Coach Reddy there, he he was a good coach. He knew exactly what he was doing. Pitching there was great. Uh, I mean, hell, we just saw Brady Ware throw a, a no-hitter and hit for the cycle. Like, they, they've got a good program over there, man. And uh, I, I definitely wish I could have kept with it. But, you know, when uh world gives you some – some decent, some decent opportunities. You got to take it. And coaching was just, I fell in love with it when you really got into the nitty gritty of, you know, how to pitch and what makes a good pitcher and realizing that, you know, high school, you just thinking I throw, I lift and I play like, that's all I do. And, and now getting into, you know, Hey, no, we got to take care of our arms. We got to, we got to do all these little things and that's, what's going to separate us. Okay. So after your play, well, I guess during COVID, your playing career comes to an end, you know, when exactly do you get into coaching? Is it, you know, right away? Do you take a year off or so? What does that look like? Just take us through that whole just transition into coaching. Yeah. Okay. So um, actually I started coaching. I needed some money um, and I needed to find ways to pay some bills uh, while I was in school. And I was with an organization. um, I'm just, we're going to leave their name out. Um, they're charging parents a hundred dollars for a lesson, uh, for their organization. And I was the instructor who would only see $12 of it. I was talking to coach Reddy about this one time and coach Reddy was like, why the hell are you doing that, man? And I was like, he's like, that sounds like a ripoff. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. He was like, why don't you get your clients here and you can train them at the UND pro like at our facilities, as long as they're not high school age, he's like, cause then it can be seen as recruiting. So he's like, you keep them eighth grade and below, you can train all the kids you want here after our practices. So that's exactly what I did. Um, ended up charging way less. And that was, that was the ticket, man. As soon as I told these parents, yeah, you don't have to pay a hundred dollars an hour. You can also come see me directly and this all, all you have to pay. And they were like, all for it. So coach Reddy actually really got me into it. And that was my second half of my freshman years when I started doing that. And then so late, what would that been 2019, early 2019. And then that summer, um, I was helping, I was, I was working for pastime tournaments actually that summer, uh, being a site director for tournaments and stuff like that. And then I was kind of playing and kind of coaching on the side as well. My buddy needed another coach. So I'd occasionally go out there and help him. And then I realized him and I both wanted to be head coaches. That was the problem. We couldn't two head coaches together. Doesn't always work. But um, so that next year after COVID hit and lessons got shut down, I had actually moved over to another organization, Midwest Astros over in Greenfield, Uh, started coaching there. And the role I came into was actually uh, uh, a interim head coach. So I just came in, basically the head coach was taking a step back as they moved up into 15U, you know, dad coaches were getting out of there. They wanted, you know, ex-players, people that, you know, were a little bit closer to the game, closer to the players as well. Um, He took a step back, basically just ran book all summer and let me learn the position of head coach, um, which was honestly a great opportunity because, to me coming in, I didn't have all this stress of like, oh, you're a head coach and you're, you know, you're 19 or whatever. It was, you're learning the position. You're out here, you're teaching these players to get better. And they were 14. And so, you know, close enough in age that these guys really took to what I was saying and hearing out what I'm, what I'm telling them. And then I ended up getting the head coaching role at 15U for these guys that next year. 
So um, it actually kind of all blended together. I think having the coaching on the side was a big reason why I was so okay with stepping away. I knew that I had another outlet for baseball and I knew that, you know, I wasn't just hanging it up. It wasn't like I was never going to touch baseball again or talk about baseball again. I knew that what I wanted to do had to pertain to baseball. You know, growing up, it was always, I want to be pro, I want to be pro, I want to be pro. But, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't get there. We have limitations. We have other things that happen. So, you know, for me, it was, how can I stay in the game? So for, for that, you know, I just kind of transitioned into that and then picked up more training and kept training guys. And then next thing you know, I'm getting an offer from Joe Coughlin to come over to the Indiana Braves organization. And, you know, we were, he was like, you'll run most of your lessons here. I'll, I'll give you all the space you need. I'll let you run our pitching program, our throwing program, everything. And one thing led to another. We kept going and building it up and now we're here and honestly in the what has that been two three years that I've been over there with the Braves at Players Performance Factory it has been we've grown a lot like like just an example uh Brendan Oliver uh he came in two falls ago uh the first time I was running their program and you know he was top 83 and he was like what do I need to do what do I need to do I was like your mechanics are great like honestly you don't have many mechanical flaws you need to get stronger. You need to get in the weight room. What's that kid go do? He puts on 25 pounds of muscle through that winter and comes out and his first outing is 89.90. It's like, that's how you do it. You listen to what coach says and you do it. That's exactly how to do it. So uh, we've built that program up. And, you know, there's still so much room to grow. There's so much more stuff that we want to accomplish and stuff that we want to get done there that, you know, I want to implement. You know, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, other places out there that you look at that, you know, you see how they've ran it, you see their success programs that I've attended programs I've done. And it's kind of just taking a blend of all those, what I felt worked the best and what, you know, Joe has felt has worked the best and kind of putting that to the players and seeing, you know, how they roll with it, what they like about it, you know, and uh, talking to them. Honestly, the biggest thing is talking with the players about their training, you know, seeing what they like and what they don't like and asking them why, like, and a lot of times, man, we'll hit you with, well, I don't like it because it's uncomfortable. And it's like, well, no shit, man. Um, that's what you have to do to get comfortable. You got to be a little uncomfortable to get to that point. So getting these players to get out of their comfort zone with their training is has been a big thing. And that's that's been the best thing about, you know, the players that we have now, that player's performance factor, and even with the Braves a lot of bought in guys, the guys that want to go to the next level, guys that want to make a difference on their high school roster, on their travel roster. They want to be a difference maker. And that's, I think that's, what's going to separate. That's what's going to make them, you know, college guys here in a couple of years compared to some guys that aren't going to get that opportunity. So, so throw it back there to the beginning and kind of take us through that second half of your freshman year. What was the toughest part of that transition of going to a player to a coach, just what that looked like. And then even when you did become that head coach, the toughest part of that transition as well, just, you know, having all this stuff thrown at you kind of at one time as a 19 year old, just take us through just what the toughest part of that transition was. Honestly, the toughest transition was just keeping up with it all, like keeping up with going from, you know, practice and, you know, practice supposed to end it this time. And you got a lesson 20 minutes away scheduled at this time and you're trying to run around and then next thing you know you're out of practice 25 minutes 30 minutes late and you're texting a client like hey I'm on my way I'm so sorry I'll be there and I'm honestly that was 
your time management is is definitely a uh, a learning curve with it all. Uh, keeping up with playing, coaching, and training was the biggest thing that I think I had to kind of adapt to. Um, you know, when you're playing and need to make money at the same time, it's sometimes uh, it. I'd say it's it's one of the harder things because you get hit with you know. I, I've got to be out there. I got to be at the games. I got to be at practice, you know, man, but I'm missing opportunities to go coach and go see this kid or go make some money and train this guy. Um, so for me, it was really about finding a good balance between them all. Um, and that was honestly what happened when coach Reddy allowed me to train guys at UND. That's when I gained a lot of balance there because it was, I get out of practice, I go to the locker room and I just wait for that client to show up. And then we go upstairs into the dome and, we got some work in. So it was, it, that transition was really easy. And then with the head coaching stuff, honestly, it was about gaining respect Honestly, like making sure. And I think when I first came in, these kids did, they respected me. Um, I think maybe one, because I was playing college ball. I think maybe because I had been there, I was close to where I was, where they wanted to get to at that moment. Um, so I think it made them easy, easy enough to respect me. But I think also the balance between separating yourself as a coach and a player at that point, you know, you're in the play mentality with all your college buddies and, you know, at the, at the field, and then you go and coach. Sometimes it's hard to get out of that, you know, goofing around with your buddies, joking around with, at the games, you know, kind of that, um, how, how would I say it? The boys mentality, like hanging out with the boys. Um, that was definitely something that when you're when you're coaching a bunch of dudes who you know funny kids kids that want to show their character that you know want to make you laugh want to go out and play and have fun and be you know competitive getting them to understand that you are their coach and that they've got to they've got to respect that they've got to understand that you know yes we can have a level-headed conversation yes I'm going to treat you with respect but you also got to treat me with respect um so then you know it, it that that definitely was a, a learning curve for me, um, learning how to separate the two and learning how to be a, a good coach to these guys and give them what they need. Um, I'd say the other toughest part was, uh, again, we, we talked about the schedule, but the schedule, man, like going into a summer schedule and, you know, having to work your entire weekends around going and coaching. Uh, and even now, like even to this day, like it's, you can barely hold a regular job and tell them like, Oh, I also coach travel baseball. Cause if they know that schedule, they're like, you yeah, know, never mind. So it's, uh, you gotta, you, you gotta take and take what you can get and, you know, roll with those punches. And I, I think I, I'd say, yeah, it's definitely probably the hardest part is the okay. schedule and the transition to it all was easily the hardest part of it all. And honestly, getting people scheduled, that is, that is such an underrated thing. You can automate it all you want, but when you're trying to work with people's schedules all week, try to get every person in that wants to get in, scheduling becomes so stressful. So as, so as a new trainer, as a new head coach, you know, how much are you implementing stuff that you had learned throughout your playing careers versus, you know, actually teaching these kids maybe new knowledge that you had gained as a trainer, as a coach? You know, what is that comparison? You know, how much are you doing of both? Honestly, man, I'm always trying to learn more like that is I will hound, you know, websites, blog posts, drive, I mean, driveline prp all these places that are posting their blogs about you know how they've made their players better reading case studies 
um, just honestly watching some of these, you know, really good coaches, their videos, they put out learning some of the stuff they talk about. Um, that's a lot of the stuff. I think you can't be so one-sided. We learn so much in even such a little amount of time as why something can work better. Um, I really had to, at, at first it was a lot of what I was doing at UND which UND, we were really driven from, um, at the time it was Florida Baseball Ranch. Um, they were partnered with Texas Baseball Ranch, but now they are the Florida Baseball Armory, I believe. Um, Randy Sullivan owns that place, and that man is, I mean, he knows his stuff. He knows how to play, make players make a difference in their lives, like just training and everything. So I take a little bit of that and some of the other stuff I've learned, you know, whether that's been the driveline programming or, you know, PRP's programming, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we implemented at UND that I've seen everywhere. I've seen other places do. And then there's stuff that I've seen no one else do, but I think worked really well. So really I've tried to build my own the best I can um, while implementing a lot of the outside sources, a lot of the stuff I did train from a lot of the stuff that I thought worked the best. I'd say, you know, the best thing has been continuously learning and then learning how to implement that. You know, it, it's awesome when you're, you're talking to a kid one day and he's has this issue, you know, for example, we have, you know, I, I had a kid last week, who kept flying open on his front side. He had no control of his front left side and his, his backside. He, he stayed in his back leg really well. And he just couldn't quite figure out why he felt like his backside was doing everything it was supposed to do. And he was like, where am I losing? And I was like, you're flying open every time. And he needed a cue. He needed something just to help him stay closed. And, you know, at first we tried, you know, a green plyo ball, a heavy ball in his glove and seeing how that worked for him. It helped a little bit, definitely helped him be more aware of his front side. But, you know, that later that night, I'm scrolling Instagram and I see a coach talk about a cue for guys like that. And I went to him the next time I saw him, gave him that cue and boom, bang, he's done. He's good. He's he's like, I, I don't that that worked that fixed it. Like and obviously we keep going. We keep finding other little things because once some of these kids get to a point where you know, they have great mechanics and obviously every kid's going to have stuff they can work on in mechanics, but we got to learn how to get better from there. You know, we've got guys that, you know, they, they, they feel to themselves, they're topping out. They can't, they can't get any more. And it's like, no, you can, you just have to find it. Like we have to find the right ways, you know, whether that's your strength, whether that's your arm, you know, your arm care, what kind of throwing program are you throwing through? Like, are you long tossing enough? Are you doing, you know, X, Y, and Z? Uh, are you stretching enough? Are you, you know, taking care of your body after you throw? Or are you uh, coming in the field, throwing some bands around, grabbing a baseball, chucking it as far as you can, throwing it as hard as you can, and then calling it a day, packing your stuff up and leaving? Like, that's the worst thing you can do. Like, you got to take care of that arm. So that's, I mean, honestly, it, it's been a mix of a lot of stuff to put in. Um, and it's still to this day, man, I'm, I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to implement new things. I'm trying to find ways that will make, you know, each player. And it may, it may not be something I would implement with every player, but it's something that, you know, if it works for this guy, I'm going to use it because that's, that's what he needs. So, um, I try to be very much, you know, I see a lot of guys and it's one program, it's one way. That's it. Like it, you can only throw this way. This is how you're successful. And honestly, you know, the anatomy, some guys don't have the anatomy to do certain moves. Some guys don't have the flexibility. So we have to give them what we can with what they have right now while also giving them, you know, hey, 
you're not as flexible, but if you get more flexible, this will be a lot easier. So here's a, you know, here's a stretch routine you need to do every day. You know, sometimes we'll give guys ones to do evening and night. Um, now I'm not there. I can't hold their hands. So that's a big thing I have to ask my players of is buy-in. Like I have to trust that you're doing this. And, and I've told them straight up, you know, when it comes time to playing, we'll see who's put the work in. We'll see the guys who have wanted it and who've grinded, who have tried to find ways of getting better because those guys will shine. They will put themselves out on the field and they will shine. So, you know, and it's, it's never a, if you don't do this, you don't play. It's, you just got to show that you want it and you're going to get your opportunities. You know, as you're going through, you're getting those new trainees, getting these new ball players there for the Indiana Braves. You're watching a player go through the first practice for the first time or going through your first workout with them. You know, what are those first evaluations? What are you kind of looking for within that evaluation and within that player? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's very, um, I, I guess it's different per player. Um, first, we're just obviously we're going to look left or righty, right? And then we're going to kind of just watch on it. What I like to do is, and I tell parents this every time, that first lesson, it's going to be very eye wash. Um, they're just going to throw the baseball a little bit. We're just going to maybe if they're wanting hitting or if they're wanting some fielding, we're just going to do a little bit of it, right? We need to get an idea of where they're at. We need to get an idea of what they can do and what they can't do. So the first thing I usually will have guys do is, you know, I'm going to ask them straight up, do you have a band routine or a stretch routine? And I'm not kidding you, man. There are so many kids who don't know how to stretch or don't know how to do, you know, the simplest exercises to get ready. So that's the first thing I teach. Like that, it doesn't matter if we haven't even picked up a baseball yet. If they don't know how to do a hip mobility and T-spine mobility circuit, then we're going to do that first. We're going to get stretched out on our hips our T-spine, and then we're going to hop up and we're going to do some bands. And, you know, it, so many times grab these kids grab the heaviest band possible. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You got to have full range of motion here. So teaching them, you know, yeah, sometimes you want to do the hard stuff, but sometimes the hard stuff isn't what we need. We need the easy stuff to be able to move better. Um, so we start there and then every kid based on age is, is very different. Um, you know, are they at a point where we can implement some some weight training? Are they at a point where we can implement, you know, some plyo work or are they are they a kid that needs completely kind of revamped? Do they need to learn how to throw a little bit better or do they need to throw, you know, differently? Do they need to learn how to re we do we need to reanalyze these entire mechanics? Um, so usually I'll start with, you know, letting them throw. We'll kind of toss a little bit and then I'll let them you know, do their own thing. I'll get off the mound almost every time. Anytime it's for a pitching, pitching oriented lesson, it's, it's, we get off the mound because one, a lot of kids just don't throw enough off the mound. So when they do get thrown out there in game, they don't know what the hell to do because now they're up 12, 12 inches off the ground. And before at practice with, you know, dad and this coach, they're on the flat ground all the time. So getting these kids off the hill is like so important. It, it, the more it, it's, it's where you're going to throw from. So why would you not practice from there as well? So we'll go from there. And then, you know, first, first thing I love to look at is what are their legs doing? Are we, are we creating any kind of drive? Are we creating any kind of, you know, power from the legs or are we a tall and fall guy? Are we, you know, we super closed off or we flying open? We'll kind of look at lower half first. And, and honestly, the biggest thing I start with is I, I start at the, bo the bottom of the chain. We start at the foot. You know, are they are they getting toe dominant? Are they falling into their heel or are they using that entire foot? And then from there, we look at the knee 
And then the knee goes from, okay, are we leaking in? Are we leaking down the mountain? Because if we start leaking in, then a lot of our momentum starts taking us that way. And that's when you see guys like really sweepy uh, around the mound more so rather than straight path down. So we start, we go from there and then, you know, we work it from that knee up to the hips. Let's see what the hips are doing. Can we actually rotate our hips? Do we know how to orient our hips into a, a motion? And a lot of these kids, they don't even know how to like get a pelvic tilt or even hinge their hips or, you know, rotate their hips without letting their shoulders rotate at the same time. So hip to shoulder separation becomes a big thing for a lot of guys. Um, that's, that's big killer in velocity, big killer in control even because, you know, when your, your chest is flying at the same rate as your hips and has no separation, you're not creating that elastic band. You're, you're just driving everything straight in. And honestly, I see that being like one of the most important things as long as, I mean, as long as their legs are in a good position too. Um, but learning how to rotate, we're rotational athletes. Like that's, that's my biggest thing. Like if guys don't know how to rotate, right. You know, then you know, we're not picking up a baseball. Like I actually had, I had somebody cancel doing lessons with me because I wasn't doing enough pitching with them. Um, that's what they wanted. And we did one lesson and it was because I made him do a workout that day. Cause he didn't need to throw a baseball. He needed to learn how to rotate. He needed to learn how to use his power, use his core and stuff and engage that and, you know, and teach their own. But that that's, that's my philosophy. I believe that you've got to build from the ground up sometimes. Um, now some players, they don't need that. Some players, they can come in and they're studs, honestly. And some players I'll look at and I'm like, why the hell are they coming to me? Like, okay, that's, I'm, I'm ready for it. Hell yeah, let's do it. But like, you look at them and you're like, well, I don't even know where to begin because this kid is so smooth. And then as you start to get to know him, as you start to watch him throw, the more lessons you do, the more you're able to start picking at, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that, or, Hey, we can fix this, or well, let's do, let's do this better and watch what happens. Um, so, you know, Breaking each kid down is, is so different. You know, we've got, we've got wonky righties, wonky lefties. We got really straight, tall up, up and down lefties, up and down righties. We've got guys that are super long down the mound and just breaking each one down and finding what works for them has been, it's probably my favorite thing to do and also build them something that they're going to enjoy to do. Because when you come into an hour lesson, man, like you, you, one you as a coach need to be there like you've got to be there you've got to be energized you've got to be because that's sometimes that's what all those kids look forward to is that one hour with you like they know that they're going to get better in that hour so if you're not showing up with your a game then like how do you expect them to show up with theirs so really trying to drive home the fact that you know hey we've got an hour let's work hard let's have fun like we don't want this to be miserable we don't want these players to come out of here and be like i don't want to come back i don't want to train with that guy i want these players to come back and be like yeah, he pushed me, but I felt good afterwards and I felt like I grew. So that's my biggest thing is just making sure players are, you know, every week finding something that they're doing better or a way that they're growing. All right. So being a guy, you know, as you're going through college, you know, dealing with those arm injuries, I know you're big when it comes to arm health, just arm care. Take us through, you know, what you did as a ball player, but also now what you're teaching your guys when it comes to arm care, arm health, whether that's in season and off season, just take us through just what you're what you're teaching your ball players. Yeah, uh, man, it's and again, like going back off what we just talked about, it, it it's it sometimes it's just different based on that guy. Um, it's it's got to be very oriented to what can work for them. Also knowing, you know, what's their time like outside of, you know, our hour. Uh, one thing I do is I try to challenge every player to do something on their own every single day. Like 
they they've got to understand that one hour with me is not going to dictate their future. It's not going to, I can give them the tools. I can give them the insight and I can teach them. But if they're not taking that with them and not doing anything outside of there, it's hurting them more than that hour is even helping them. So, you know, I like to really, you know, if guys need a long toss, long toss is something I'm a big proponent of, especially when we start getting into season and we start getting closer to season, we need to be able to stretch it out. We need to be able to move and let that arm fly. And we need to feel like we're comfortable doing it. So, you know, a lot of guys, I love, I love implementing the long toss stuff. Um, but yeah, arm care, like when I was going through, and, th and that's a big thing is why I do what I do, man, is there was a lot of stuff I didn't have growing up that, you know, in playing. And, and it's crazy to think that from 2018, when I graduated to 2023 now, five years, it, the game has changed a lot in that time. Like the knowledge we have, the, you know, the advancements that we have in the game, and it's, it has changed quite a bit and you know it may not seem like it from a scope of some play people and players and even coaches but the more you're in it the more you notice you know hey it's changing and we've got to change and adapt with it I've really been my my well my senior year I had sprained my UCL uh early fall um and so I had known that I had a little bit of elbow issues and and I think it really came down to again like when I look back at my my mechanics, it was my front side would fly open and cause drag in my arm. So you know when that happens, I had to learn to pivot and and develop something that worked for me. So that fall, I took six weeks off, and that was I mean man, that was the most brutal six weeks. Having to take six weeks off through the fall and not throw was. I mean, I hated every bit of it, but when I got back and I noticed, you know, oh, I'm throwing harder than I was, it feels good. I'm taking care of my arm. I started to try to develop a true routine because that was something I'd get there. I, you know, I'd do my bands and then I would do very light plyo work. I, you know, maybe a few, uh, just kind of getting the green ball out and loosening the arm up. So developing a true plan was what really helped me get, you know, one, have a really good senior year and what helped me get to the next level, I think. Um, now, when you get to college, man, you think, you know, you think you have it, you have a good routine down and then you start seeing what some of these other guys do and you're like, holy shit, I don't know what I'm doing. So that was, and again, like college, I mean, in two years, and that's one thing that like, man, if I would have had four years there, I, I don't know, even know how much I would have learned, but like in two years, that I was able to be around the program and be able to be part of it and help. I learned so much about, you know, an individual and, you know, about a whole of how to take care of it all. Um, so I really tried to implement, you know, band work in, in, in hip mobility because one, if we're not taking care of the whole body, then and we're just taking care of the arm, you know, we're, we're losing out on a lot. Like we've got to take care of everything else also because, when we start allowing just the arm to take the stress, then, you know, that's when we're putting more risk at injury. So when we can take care of the whole body and move really well with the entire body, we take so much stress off of the, uh, that arm and we're able to, I mean, let the ball fly, usually pain-free. Um, you know, a big thing I ask my players and they probably get annoyed with me is I'm always at, how's the arm feel? How's the arm feel? And then, you know, sometimes they'll let out a grunt or something, or they'll kind of make a, a, a scoff at something. And I'm like, arm, all right. Like, yeah, I just missed. And I'm like, well, yeah, I saw you miss, but I just need to make sure the arm's good. <laughs> so, you know, just always kind of up up in their business about their arm. And, you know, I tell them, like, look, you're not going to be in 
trouble if you're not feeling great. Like if your arm doesn't feel like it should, then, you know, we need to do some other stuff. We need to take care of that. So I'm, I'm always building a routine around it, building what works for each guy, their strengths, their weaknesses, you know, building up a true program for them has been what I think's made a difference in their arm care. So we start with, you know, hip mobility, T-spine bands, and then with some of the older guys, uh, you know, probably right around 13, 14, obviously, depending on size, we start learning plyo care. Um, I'm a big proponent in that stuff. I think that if you do that every day the way you're supposed to, it strengthens and builds so much mobility and, you know, just overall strength in the shoulder, the arm in general. Um, the big thing that guys uh, that you see the mistakes being made is guys grabbing plyos and thinking that there are a velocity tool all the time. Um, they can be used as a velocity tool hundred percent, but to me, they are a stretch tool for our arm. Um, it's, it's like using bands again, but you know, you start light with your warm up. you just let the arm work, you feel the arm moving, and then you slowly ramp up as you go through. Um, so, you know, plyo care. And then, you know, one thing that I didn't do enough of was recovery. Recovery, I think was my biggest thing that led to having problems with my arm. So I have made it, you know, my main thing that, you know, we, we've got 15 minutes of recovery, every single lesson, every single practice, whatever it is. And, you know, my players didn't like hearing it, but, you know, we're bringing some workout equipment to every travel tournament. <laughs> they, they get done throwing, they're down there doing a recovery workout. We got to take care of the body. We got to take care of how we move. So, you know, building, building out, you know, recovery and, and showing them what it means to recover and what it means to, you know, do the proper stuff. And, you know, sometimes it, under, making them understand that it's not about the weight that you're putting up. It's about the movement and the exercise and doing it properly. That really builds us up. Um, I'm also, you know, this is going to be controversial for some people. Um, I don't believe in the taking three months off from throwing a year. Um, I think three months off from pitching, uh, heavy velocity and like heavy intensity. Um, but my idea of it and, you know, and I've heard other people say this, this isn't just me. Um, we're not going to tell, you know, a bodybuilder to go lift for a whole year for a competition. And then three months before his competition or, you know, six months before his competition, we're going to tell him, Hey, take three months off. And then you got three months to get ready again. You're going to let him go. You're going to let him, you know, Hey, closer you get, you might want to start working this, that, and the other end. Um, so for me, it's, it's kind of the same idea is with our players, you know, we get done with the season fall hits. Let's, let's take some rest time. Yeah. Let's, let's let our arm chill for a minute. You know, if you want to toss a little bit, that's fine. You want to keep working. That's fine. Um, you know, we got a lot of football players, so a lot of multi-sport athletes. So a lot of those guys are getting their work in, they're getting their lifting in, they're getting hit or getting beat around or, or having to deal with it enough. Um, but you know, it, it, teaching them that you know our arm is a muscle we got to train that muscle just like we would anything else we got to train it to make that motion we got to teach it how to be better at making that motion we got to teach it how to do the right things so you know a lot of focus i have in the late and even early fall is training proper arm pattern and proper you know mechanics a little bit more and not overdoing our throws keeping it light on the day maybe maybe just plyo care that day maybe just going through our plyo care throws and you know getting the plyo balls out and getting that arm loose and just going through the motion of our throws and keeping it very structured and very oriented. And, you know, I want to feel good from this. I don't want to hurt myself. I'm not trying to throw hard right now. 
I'm trying to keep my arm healthy. So, you know, just continuously keeping it healthy. And then, you know, after we've, you know, built that strength up and built that out, you know, come November and December, that's when we begin starting to move fast. That's when we learn to really, really move our body, you know, med ball, uh, med ball has, I mean, med ball stuff is, excellent tool i think that med ball if it's not implemented in an off-season program then either they've got some other cool stuff or they're just not doing it right i i think med balls are a big way for guys to learn to move and move some weight fast um with their mechanics it's an easy way to one also take stress off the arm that we don't have to throw but we can still go through our mechanics and learn to be pushing weight and pushing fast so we can get fast when it comes to using a baseball so, you know, it, it's the arm care stuff is it, it's all over the board and the sense of each guy is a little different. You know, some guys I'm not going to have them, you know, throw X, Y and Z, but I'm going to have this other guy come out here and I'm going to have him throw heavy that day. You know, uh, like for me, I was a guy who loved to long toss the day of a start. Um, I love stretching it out. I don't know if it was an intimidation factor or something, just seeing that starting pitcher go foul pole to foul pole in my head was like, yeah, you're about to get carved up on the mound, baby. And then getting over there and then, you know, chucking 85, they're like, oh, this is easy, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, but teaching these guys that, you know, not everyone's going to be the same. So, and that's something that too many, too many guys are getting caught up in is if one guy does it, I got to do it. And it's like, well, I mean, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. You've got to find what works for you. So, you know, I've got some kids that they love long tossing. They love to go out there and chuck it as far as they can on game days. But then I've got some guys that are two days before their start. They're like, no, I'm just focused on my start. I don't, I don't need to throw a bunch. I, I just need to be ready for that that's fine if that's what works for them. Now, if they're not having success, then we need to pivot and we need to find ways that we can have success and like what's going to work for us. So as a trainer, that's, that's uh, as a trainer that is big into mechanics, big into the actual arm care, arm health of his pitchers. Are you big into the pitching repertoire as well? Like, are you digging into, okay, I think maybe you need to dig into this pitch. This mm -hmm. And when you do find that out, you know, how do you, develop a pitch for a ball player how do you help them decide okay do I add a slider do I add a you know a slurve I know that's a mix of a curve and a slider you know just you know take us through that whole transition or the whole process of adding a pitch to a guy's pitching repertoire and how you access that yeah honestly I start with just seeing what their fastball does and where it comes out you know where can we tunnel from um using video and overlay and seeing a tunnel is being has been really really helpful one it just tells us you know is this guy trying to throw this off speed, but from a different slot? Because it may not seem like it in the moment, but a good hitter can recognize a different slot pretty quickly. Um, and and you'll see you'll see player. I mean, just at these high school games, man, you'll see these hitters come in and start telling their guy on deck, like, "Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing." And they go up there and they have a they adjust their approach, and that's like that right there alone is like I love seeing that stuff. I love seeing the guys talk and, and you know giving feedback, but. Um, we, we will start there and you just kind of see, you know, Hey, like would a slider make better sense for your fastball? Um, you know, playing off of a fastball that, you know, runs way, let's say a righty that runs way into the hands of a right-handed hitter, right? Okay. Well, what pitch would play best off of that? Do you have a lot of sink into your ball? Okay. You know, what, what do you feel is comfortable? Like some, so many, so many times I see guys want this curveball, 
but they don't know how to throw a true curveball. They're throwing these slurs. They're throwing their body open to try and make it break. And that's one thing that we try to assess is, like, you know, hey, can we fix the mechanics to trust our off speed a little bit more, get better break off of it? Um, and then adding pitches, man, is sometimes it's as simple as what pitch would you want to throw? You know, uh, oh, okay, I want to learn this. All right, let's try. And, oh, that one doesn't really work for you. Okay, well, let's keep let's keep working on it. Let's see if we can adjust our grip, play around with it. Still not working for you. Okay, so maybe maybe you aren't a, a curveball guy. Maybe you're a slider guy. You throw a heavy fastball. You get a lot of run on your fastball. You have great spin rate on your fastball and spin efficiency. So why don't we try to go to a slider that, one, has similar velo but completely breaks the opposite way? Let's throw that hitter out. So, you know, developing that and then, like, a changeup you know, what's their fastball doing? Do we have, and, and, and like, you know, are we, are we a cut fastball guy? Are we a, a run guy? And honestly, I try to teach a lot of, you know, get rid of that cut fastball. <laughs> we learn to throw a cutter, if anything, um, get that fastball to have some arm side run or some rise even. And honestly, what we've been using a lot for developing pitches is the clean fuego ball. Um, I don't know if you've seen them at all. Uh, that has been, Learning how to spin that thing has really taught some guys some good off-speed. Learning how to throw a slider with that has taught guys how to truly get on the side and slide the side of the ball. Um, throwing the curveballs, it's teaching true 12-6 break and teaching them how to actually spin that out of their hand and not force it. Because that's a lot of what you'll see is guys learning these off-speed pitches. They want to force the break. And sometimes it, you got to teach them like, hey, man, your arm and your body doesn't have to force the ball to break. It's how you're gripping it, it's how you throw it. That's what breaks the ball. Gravity, pulling it back down, the spin of the ball, that's all it's going to help you. So teaching them, you know, one, proper spin access, proper, you know, release points, you know, where out on the clock are we releasing our ball? Um, we kind of go into all that. But honestly, my favorite thing to do to really learn what off-speed pitch would be best for a guy is seeing them try it seeing how nasty it is. And man, the best is when you see a kid keep saying, oh, I want to learn this curveball. I'm going to learn this slider. And then the, when they don't trust it, and then you finally get them to trust it and they throw it and they see that first real nasty off speed and they're just like, their eyes light up. And it's like, there you go. That you just did it. You just got the off speed you needed, man. Like now we just keep rolling with it. You keep learning how to make it better. Learn how to like throw it in the zone where you want. So, you know, the overlay stuff has been really good and learning how to tunnel our pitches because, you know, if we can make every pitch look like it's going to be a fastball out of our hand and then just let the break do its job, we're going to be nasty. I mean, we're going to get a lot of swing and misses. We're going to create a lot of outs, and that's that's what's most important is create outs. You know, I, I love strikeouts. Strikeouts are huge, and some pitchers would kill me for saying this, but it's not the most important thing. Can we be coachable and can we pitch? Can we pitch in the zone? Can we throw two hitters? Can we, can we get up there and have the mentality of you got to beat me? So that's that's kind of my idea with it, and, and I like – I like looking at some guys, you know, um, and just seeing what their stuff does. And it's like, man, if you developed this pitch, this would be nasty for your repertoire. Like, so like, like Oliver, Brendan, he's, he's got a heavy running fastball with a really, really tight slider. And then a really decent changeup that just drops off on speed. You know, we were talking about possibly developing his two seem to be more of a, a sinker, something that really falls off the bottom side of the table. And, messing with it we're messing with grips a few weeks ago and just kind of playing with it and he starts to see it dive you're starting to see it really kind of sink in and still hold its velo and you know it was one of those things where it's like 
don't, you know, you know, you got your first start next week. You don't need to go out there and, you know, try to try to implement this too early, but keep throwing with it, keep messing with it. And maybe by summertime, when travel ball rolls around, you may have that second as that as a secondary pitch to run into a sinker. You know, I was like, think about throwing to a lefty and having that ball just completely sink off the table away from them with velo. I was like, then you don't have to always to rely on your changeup, especially if your velocity is getting them and you don't want to, you don't want to speed up their bat at all. So I was like, that's also another good option. So sometimes just seeing what they got, man, and that, that helps a lot and seeing, you know, where's their fastball being released from? What kind of ball do they have? What kind of movement do they have on the pitches they do have? And another thing too, is, you know, their anatomy, their body, their structure and how they're releasing, you know, a lot of guys, I'll see some guys like, especially my football players, man, they want to release the baseball like a football. And it's trying to get them into proper, you know, release point and staying out and through the ball rather than, you know, releasing here and on the side, like they're trying to either throw a football or like a curveball. So learning, you know, where they release and learning what they can do with their other pitches is definitely the best start in my eyes of seeing, can they throw this pitch? Uh, and I try not to, I try not to let too many of my young guys get into, um, learning crazy, crazy pitches. Cause the worst is when you get kids in there, man, and they've got, you know, mom, dad, letting them watch all these YouTube videos and this kid's trying to throw a knuckle curve, knuckle slurve, whatever you want to call it, all these other different pitches. And they come out there and they're like, my arm hurts. And I'm like, huh, I wonder why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's, uh, let's not do that. Let's not throw this weird pitch, but it's so nasty. Okay, let's watch a video of you throwing a fastball and let's watch a video of you throwing this and showing these players directly sometimes that you move so much slower on your off speed. A good hitter will pick you up all day. So teaching them one to also move with intent, move with intensity, just like they would with their fastball. So you mentioned Brendan Oliver there, you know, one of the best pitchers there in that 2024 class. Take us through his development. You, you mentioned when he first got to you, throwing 83 to the points where he's at now. I believe he's consistently in the in the low 90s there during games. Take us through that development and just that relationship you've built with him here these past couple of years. Man, that kid, he's a workhorse. Um, his brother is a – his older brother's a, a coach over at the Braves as well. Uh, I believe he's got the 17U team, if I remember correctly. 17 or 16 team. 17 because Brendan 17 because Brendan played for his brother and then um, he ended up leaving his brother's team because you know he had opportunities for five star and Canes Midwest so that's where he went um, which rightfully so but yeah when Brendan came to me we were just starting out our our first official you know fall program winter program and he came out for his initial testing and his velocity I think he topped 83 on like two pitches and he was sitting like 79, 81. Um, I don't even think he had 82 that day. I think it was 83 was the top. That was it. And, you know, looking at him, he was a tall, lengthy guy. Um, definitely could move pretty well. And and for my in my eyes, it was, it was very much like you put some weight to your body and you put some, you know, strength behind it, you're going to throw. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I just laid it out to him like, dude, you have a lot of potential, especially with your age you know, you're early on, like you get this velocity up over the next year. I was like, you can see some, I told him straight up, like, you'll find those schools that want you, those big division ones that you want to go to, like they'll, they'll want you, especially you start throwing like that. And he bought in. I mean, 
not much of my doing at that time. Honestly, I didn't really, I didn't really mess with Brendan at all and mechanics, his programming, anything for that first year. I just told him what I saw and what he needed to do. And he listened, he went into the weight room. I'd be in the facility training and I'd see him rolling through coming to lift at nine o'clock at night. And I mean, it, the kid found a way like every day, whether that was after school and not even just him, man, like he's got a good group of buddies there at Mooresville that all are about that. Like Selby Barton, Bryce Brabender, you know, Bryce is a big name right now for me, you know, one coaching him, but just seeing that kid, like, you know, his size is I think what really gets him right now, but that kid puts the work in, he puts the work in the weight room. He's in there lifting with Brendan, you know, he's getting after it on his own. That kid's swinging, he's hitting at least hundred baseballs a day, you know, hitting hundred miles an hour plus off the exit velocity. Some days, you know, he's, he's another kid that's going to be a really good product from Mooresville over the next few years. Um, maybe a Juco guy, maybe, maybe a good division one, maybe even a high division two type of guy. Um, I think the world is, you know, at his fingertips right now. He's just got to keep, keep grinding away, keep hitting the ball and he's going to have success. And it, and it comes back to that lifting, like, getting in the weight room and putting on the weight was been his best friend. And then having that group behind Oliver too, man, like Oliver, I think kind of, kind of sparked a lot of it for him. Um, just that, that drive and that will to get better. Uh, but yeah, he did it all man on his own, honestly. Like I, I can't say that first year I did really anything to help him other than tell him exactly what he needed to hear. And he did it. And then that next year, he, you know, I kept seeing him. We were, we would talk here and there. We'd have little conversations. You know, he, he, you know, informed me, oh, I ran it up to 90 for the first time, blah, blah, blah. So then, you know, occasionally he'd come in, he'd get some tips. He'd ask, you know, for some help, you know, hey, what do I do here? You know, what do you think? And, you know, we would, we'd keep chatting it up and stuff. And then this past fall, yeah, we were talking and I told him, I was like, Brendan, you need to come in. Like, you need to work in this. And I was like, one, the guys here, when they see you, like knowing that you just committed to Cincinnati or you're getting ready to commit, you know, to somewhere big, like they're going to, they're going to want to follow what you do. They're going to want to see that, you know, it, it builds a culture. When you see one guy, that's a dude, you want to be a dude like that, that sparks this interest, it sparks this, you know, curiosity of what can I do? Like if he can do it, why, well, what's stopping me? So you know, he was a big, big help this, this past fall. And honestly, the work ethic of the whole entire group that came in to, to work out three times a week for our velocity stuff. And Brendan, Brendan bought in again, another program he came into and he listened to everything I had to say. He listened really well. He, um, he, he kind of went into his own program about midway through there because he kind of needed to pivot and get himself ready for season. He knew, and that was one thing I kept telling him, like, yeah, our velocity would be great. Throwing R would be great. I was like, but for now, like, you're committed. Um, you found your home for now. Uh, obviously, you know, that's always subject to change. Always, you know, no one's ever safe. You got to keep working, got to keep pushing yourself. Can't get complacent. But, you know, letting him know that, you know, let's learn how to be a really, really hard-nosed pitcher. Like, but we don't always need to have that velo, but can we locate it? Can we locate 89 rather than sitting there chucking 94 and not knowing where the hell it's going to go. So that was something I think he's done very, very well this offseason was develop himself as a true pitcher on the mound and grinding out ABs and grinding out, you know, pitches. Um, 
especially his off-speed stuff. And his, like I said, his off-speed stuff has gotten nasty, just learning how to throw it. And, you know, one thing that I've been really wanting to work with him on is, you know, this off-season was learning to move better. He's built that strength up, but now he needs to learn to be a little bit more mobile, a little bit more fast down the mound, quick twitch, and really, really drive through that plate. Um, and he's, he's gotten a lot better with it and there's still room to grow. I mean, every player's got more room to go and he definitely, you know, the more he, he buys into it, the more, the better he just keeps getting. I mean, even last week, like first outing of the season had 11 strikeouts, uh, against a good, a decent Martinsville team, honestly, from what I saw, you know, Reese Wolf got him, uh, had his number Reese Wolf got himself one, um, Brendan left fastball over the middle and Reese Wolf's a, a dude. I mean, committed to Notre Dame. You can't make that mistake. And he did. And that's all right. And Brendan, Brendan handled that with poise, man. Like he, he got out of that inning and then came out that next inning and got three up, three down like bulldog mentality. Like, you know, I'm not going to let a, a home run or, you know, a, a couple hits, you know, dictate my game. Like he, he was from that first pitch, he was about it. And you could see it on his face. Like when he got up there, he wanted to beat him and he wanted to beat him bad. And that's why, man, tomorrow against Decatur, that's going to be that battle of uh, 67. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I was I was upset. You, you mentioned Reese Wolf there. I was upset that I didn't get to go and watch Brendan pitch against them because obviously I wanted to see all those Mortarsville guys that I know, you know, Brendan, Hudson, uh, Hogan, Tyler, those guys, but then also Reese Wolf there at Martinsville. And I believe uh, – is it is it Kevin Reed? Is that the senior? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such a loaded game. I wanted to go, but then the stupid rain delay or the, the postponement and I already yeah. had a Thursday game I had to go to, had to watch my yeah. pitch. It's like shit. But you know, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'll be I'll be there tomorrow. I'm ready to go watch Brendan dominate. But let's go yeah. ahead. Let's dig into your Indiana Braves just roll there. You know how you got connected with them. I know you mentioned it was what two or three years ago now that you switched from the Midwest Astros to the Braves. Just take us through that first year and how that role has evolved to the point now where you said, you know, the 15 U head coach. Just take us through how that role's evolved and what that's been like. Yeah, man. Um, well, with the Midwest Astros, it was Chris Ulrey. He runs a great program over there. You know, they they've got success. They've got really good players over there. They got a good program. Um, one Mooresville is a little bit better in a in a location for me, um, and the opportunity. Um, over there in Greenfield, we had multiple of us pitching coaches running our lessons in a small area, so it was it got a little tight sometimes. Um, and it, with the Braves and player performance factory, I saw an opportunity, you know, Joe, Joe wanted to take a step back from giving his lessons and he handed over 12 clients to me from the start. He was like, here's 12 kids that you can train. If you want to come in, I will, you know, you charge as much as you want to charge. This is what I need every night from you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the opportunity just kind of hit itself. And I was like, you know, I, I can't pass something up like this because, it's, it's getting me in the direction that I want to go, like having my own, you know, whether that's my own facility, my own program, I it's, it's where I want to start heading. And I'm the sole instructor there. Um, now we've got some other people that come in and instruct and we got softball instructors. We've got a few other baseball guys, but overall I'm the, I'm the lead instructor there. And when I train everything and everyone that I can, you know, five, seven days a week sometimes. So, um, when I saw that opportunity, you know, at first it was the idea of, okay, well, I'll just train there. Um, I'll continue to coach with Midwest. Um, well, as the season went on, you know, Joe, Joe's pulling the strings, trying to get me to come over to the Braves, trying to get me to go to the Braves. And he's like, oh, we, you know, we could use you. So the whole plan was that 15U team I had 
was with the Midwest Astros is honestly to move them over to the Braves um, one location wise. And honestly, it was better location for a lot of those players at the time too, because a lot of my Midwest Astros team was loaded with Mooresville guys at the time um, and some West side guys. So for me, I, I thought it would be, you know, one, not only a good opportunity for myself, but also for them. And, you know, if they chose not to leave, they chose not to leave. That was fine. Well, we start getting a little bit closer to, you know, that tryout time when we have to kind of make that announcement to these players and parents. I hadn't gotten around to it. I wanted to finish this last tournament. And, um, well, the Midwest Astros sent out a new 16U coach uh, for that following year to come and scout some of those players from that tournament. So I, uh, I kind of, it kind of blew up in my face because these parents hadn't even known that the plan was to try and move to a new organization yet. You know, we hadn't even got to that conversation. We were trying to finish our tournament schedule. So when that happened, you know, I kind of came to the decision, you know, I'm going to take a year off from being a head coach. I was like, I'm going to build up my lessons. I'm going to build out, you know, a better structure here with the Braves and over at Player Performance Factory. And then I'm also going to get to know some of these Braves guys uh, because the goal was at the time, the 14 U Braves team, I was going to take them over when they got to 15, which is what we're at now. Um, so that, that year I just kind of learned, I helped out with Joe's 17 U team a little bit, didn't really go to many games or anything like that, but in the, in the facility and stuff and training really helped out with those 17 U guys. And we've got, we got a lot of those guys committed there. I mean, that 18 U Braves team is going to be, they're going to be a tough team this summer. I mean, they're loaded with guys from all over the board. I mean, Nate Simpson, he plays there. Um, we've got Bryce Pax from Plainfield, Big Bat. Uh, I mean, dude, the list goes on. There's so many good kids that play on that 18U team that we've been able to really help come out and showcase what they've got. And then hoping with that 14U team a little bit and seeing what, you know, players I was definitely interested in and maybe some players that I wanted to see some more out of throughout the season to be able to want to bring them on to the 15U team. Um, and then – you know, kind of just went through that year of giving myself a break from it. Um, but man, I missed it. I missed it so much. Like that's all I wanted to do was be out there at the games and coaching and stuff like that. So the opportunity finally came and we had our 15U tryout last uh, August. Yeah, last August. And then from there, man, we just, we built out a great team. And, you know, man, sometimes these travel ball turn or travel ball tryouts, <clears throat> like I can say this when I was with the Astros, we had 120 kids out of two days come out to try out for the 15 U team that that second year I was coaching. I didn't take a single player from that tryout. There was not a player out of 120 that was better than what I had on the team or as good as what I had on the team. Which is like, and that goes nothing against these, those players now, you know, I bet half of those players are studs now they, they grinded, they took what we said, um, or they found a different home where they needed to be. Um, and that's kind of what I was worried about when we got with the Braves, um, was that we weren't gonna be able to pull, you know, enough talent at a tryout to really build out the team that we want, because, you know, I, I, I laid it out to these guys, like, look, if we have this goal, this common goal that we all want to reach the next level we need to start at the little stuff. We need to, we need to worry about, you know, the day of that game, the, you know, our practice schedule, each other, we need to worry about, you know, Hey, is, is, are we making sure our, our buddies are lifting? Are we, you know, we can't let anyone go unnoticed. We can't let anyone else get away with, you know, laziness. We don't, we don't accept that on this team. Like that was, that was a big factor. And, you know, I laid it out to these guys that they want to win games. They want to make it to this next level and, and so on. 
you know, so the most important thing is how do we get to that point, right? So at 15U, this is kind of a learning year. This is a year where they've got to, the game speeds up a lot. They've got to really break themselves down and learn how to be, you know, fundamentally clean ball players on the easy stuff and then roll with the punches when that hard stuff hits. So, you know, we built a, a roster at 15U of 15 kids. And honestly, from that tryout, man, I could have offered 27 kids. There was about 27 kids that we wanted to try and offer. But, you know, obviously we're not going to offer a roster of 27. Even 15, you know, you even get some of these parents that at the 15, when you start telling them they've got 15 kids on the roster, they're kind of like, when's my, is my son going to play? And it's like, yeah, the best nine are going to play. Um, you guys want to make it, you know, deep into tournaments. We've got to have the arms to do so. Too many times when I coached that last time at 15U was we couldn't make it there or we didn't have enough pitching to back us up into games and stuff like that. So building a roster of 15 kids with at least 12 of which can pitch and all were starting pitchers on previous teams or the team that they're on. It's like, man, we're set up to, we're set up to win. And that's, and that's what I told them, you know, the more you win in these tournaments, the more you get seen. I was like, but you have to do stuff now. If you guys want to go to that, you know, perfect game, those, those big tournaments, you guys want to go to Lake point, you guys want to go down there and travel. You guys want to spend your summer traveling from state to state and going to play in the best talent around the country. I was like, you guys got to prove yourself now. And I was like, we can't go there. We can't just show up willy nilly that like, we're going to do our job when we haven't proven ourselves. I was like, so this year's your prove it year. Like prove that you want to make it to that level, prove that you want to be that good. And then we will invest our time and our resources to get you guys to those best tournaments at 16, 17, you get you in front of the scouts that you want to see. All right. So my last segment here for you, and this is how we got connected diamond prospects media. Let's dig into that. You know, where did that idea come from? Just kind of take us through these past couple of weeks as you launch that social media page, what the goals were and kind of where the idea came from. Well, man, uh, you, you and a lot of these other places that are baseball oriented, you know, I, I, I'm seeing more and more baseball social media, more and more, you know, people driving the game. And that's something that, you know, I, I love baseball and I love the game. And, and honestly, I don't want to have some normal job. Like I love doing what I do. I love doing this. Um, I don't want, I don't want a nine to five. I don't want to be, you know, in a trade. I want to do this stuff. I want to, I want to grow the game and, you know, PBR is great. PBR is awesome. You know, so are these other pages that get these players out. Awesome. But a lot of times there's so many players and so many high school teams, there's not enough people to showcase it all. So honestly, to me, I thought of it as, you know, this is a way for me to continue in the game, continue helping players I've coached and players that I've trained to showcase themselves, you know, especially with the NILs now, like, guys got to learn how to build their brand. Like, and if they can learn that early on in high school and start building that up by the time they do pull off those college offers, they're able to maybe pull in some, you know, little, little deals for themselves, you know, market themselves, will build a brand. Um, you know, that's something I'm huge. I love it. I love that these players are going to get paid nowadays. Like that is, that is awesome for them. That's awesome for the game. That's awesome for these, you know, young guys learning how to build a brand. And honestly, social media has taken over. Like, we've seen it in our lifetime where it came from, you know, you had Facebook or you had MySpace, and then next thing you know, Instagram's out. And then you're like figuring out Instagram and then Snapchat comes out and you're figuring that one out. And then you're like, what's up with all these different social media outlets now. And, and honestly, now you just look at it as a big opportunity for more eyes to see these players. You know, we, we, we could reach an audience in California 
but how often are these players going to be able to reach out to coaches out in California for, uh, you know, any kind of session with them or any kind of like viewing. So it's now, you know, can we put these highlights out where enough of these players where these coaches from across the country can come in and be like, wow, that kid's a stud. I want to follow him. I want to, you know, let me check out his page. Let me see what he's about. Um, you know, let me, let me reach out to this guy and see, you know, if I can get this player's information, stuff like that. Like for me, I want to give these players more opportunities, more, more eyes on them. I want them to be able to showcase and, uh, you know, I want people to see what Indiana baseball is about. That's a big thing, you know, Indiana and not only Indiana Midwest too, you know, I really want to grow this into where I am able to go and, you know, spend my spring traveling around watching all these great high school players. That's, that would be awesome. And then summer ball hits, go coach, go find a field where there's some talent playing at the next field over and go and go and watch them and get them showcased, man. Like it's, for me, the idea is, you know, I knew I needed to do something, wanted to do something. Um, I have my coaching page that, you know, I put a, I put some content out there for the coaching side of things. And, you know, and, and that's fine. But this is more driven to showcase the athlete and the player, uh, less of me. You know, honestly, I don't I hope you don't see me on that page at all. You know, maybe some interviews eventually. Um, I'd love to get into, you know, interviewing some of the players. I'd love to get into, you know, events just like what you guys did with the battle. I man, that was awesome. Like, that's such a cool event, like stuff like that and making it fun, you know, content based events and stuff like, you know, having some of the top talent out to have like a home run derby or something. So something fun for them, you know, uh, something along those lines, like really growing it as a player's brand that, you know, is for them, for the player, for, you know, the game and just wanting to grow it. That's really what I wanted to get to. And, you know, you had to start somewhere. So it was just a matter of, you know, for a long time, I've been talking about talking about it, honestly, a little nervous to get started. You know, it's a, it's a big thing to dive into and it's a big risk too. Like it could flop right in your face. Like you could just work out. No one wants to pay attention to your views. No one wants to pay attention to what you're putting out there. No one wants to look at these players or the content. And it was a little nerve wracking, but you know, it was something that I knew I wanted to do one for myself and for the players. And I knew that, you know, I would have fun doing it. And that's all I'm about is like, have fun with whatever you're doing. Like if you're having fun, life's easy. Like that's all that matters. So for me, I just, I wanted to be able to help these guys and, you know, grow something and be able to build a brand and build a business out of it. And that's exactly what we're, we're heading towards. You know, we want to get into, you know, more content-based stuff on baseball, just all types of different stuff. You know, hell, I'm playing in a men's league this year. We might get some content out from the men's league, <laughs> you know, show those, show those washed players showing the talent still out there, you know, having some fun, but you know, and showing, you know, these college guys, you know, the, the recruitment aspect, showing these guys their opportunity, where they might be able to go from, from here and stuff. And then, you know, we'd love to get into all types of different stuff, you know, like just growing it as a, a, a multi, you know, business brand where, you know, we, we post content, we got merch, we've got, you know, equipment that guys utilize, we've got, you know, stuff that we can get the guys and all, all that good stuff for them. Yeah, man, I saw your page. And I, well, I saw you. I saw your page. You know, get launched here a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I knew I had to reach out. I knew I saw you uh, putting some content out, content out there on Hogan, on Brendan, and I was like, I, I this guy's got to be close to where I'm at here in Bloomington. So I wanted yeah. to reach out. I we obviously have some sort of the same mindset when it comes to you know 
um, just being outlet, being a platform, being an outlet for some of these ball players. So I want to get connected with you, get you on the podcast. But you know, with those ideas and some of those goals that you have, you talk about moving on to interviews, moving on to you know highlighting some guys across the Midwest, potentially doing some events. I've actually, you know, after we're done recording, I can't say it on air, but I got some other events coming up, so we'll have to dig into that. But you know, with those goals, you know, what are some of your ideas for growth and some of those next steps that you're thinking of of getting to reaching some of those goals? Yeah, honestly, well, for me right now, it's just, you know, connecting, uh, networking, honestly, is the most important thing. I, I think right now, just growing the page and getting, you know, getting the views out there, getting these players seen, getting more people kind of driven into the page. Um, I think that that one, that's like the main goal for growth right now is just get more engagement, more engagement is going to help us grow more. Um, I, I, you know, we talk long, long term, you know, I'd love to have my own, you know, facility where you know guys it's part of diamond prospects we you know and it's not that we would leave or you know leave the braves or anything like that we would still be the indiana braves we would still be i'd still be a coach there but you know having something where guys work out at our place guys use our our stuff um you know have a podcast studio in there where you can you can talk with these players you can sit down and and have conversations with anyone anyone in the game anywhere in some and honestly you know, not always being a one sport, like, you know, possibly even getting out there and showcasing some softball eventually and, you know, showing more of these these high school athletes. I think a big thing for growth, you know, is starting here, getting these players, you know, interested in the content, you know, getting the feedback from these players from this past week with Mooresville and saying, you know, hearing how much they love the pictures, how much they love the video, you know, they like the content, they you know that's been that's made me feel even more confident with what I'm doing. It makes me feel like I'm in the right, I'm on the right track. I just got to keep pushing and keep going. So, you know, so for growth, you know, it's just really get these players, you know, knowing what we're doing, understanding that, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're trying to help you guys as much as we can. You know, I want to do whatever I can to help you guys get seen, you know, whether that's, you know, Hey, do you know this coach or do you know so-and-so can you get me in contact with them like that? If we got to do that, we got to do that. But, you know, ultimate goals are, you know, just, continuing growing and you know one starting there the networking prospect or aspect and just getting people to get to the page and see it and hear from it and then from there you know we'd love I'd, I'd love to get you know a merch line going um and you know I want to make it something you know, and that's a big reason why I haven't just thrown out a t-shirt out there that just has a logo on it you know I want it to be something that these players like to wear I want this to be you know something that you know, we can give to them and they can, you know, they want to wear, they want to showcase it. You know, that's, it's something, you know, more of a, a street style kind of baseball aspect is kind of what the, the idea is for the merch. And then from there, just growing and going from, you know, more content, more, you know, more, more fun content, you know, was the, like, as, as we start getting into the YouTube atmosphere and start posting more videos there of the in-game highlights, you know, I want to, I want to post, you know, off season stuff too. I want they I want people to see the work ethic that some of these guys have in the off season, some of the, you know, the drive that they have and, you know, see see what their life's like, you know, start to get more of that that taste and you know, the ultimate goal, like my true goal with this is to be able to give players NILs from this stuff, you know, being able to be like, "Hey, you're a diamond prospect athlete." Like you are, you know, we we whether we give them you know, free gear, free merch, whatever it is. And we try to get out to as many games. We post their stuff to our socials, whatever that be. Or if that means, you know, getting to a point where we're growing enough and we we, we do get to the point we want to be at, you know, and be able to actually give these players, you know, 
real opportunities when they get to college, real, you know, money, real money to get them through a season or through a year and stuff like that. You know, we're ways away from that, but that's, that's the ultimate vision. That's the goal is to give these players exactly what they need and and help them build their brands by, you know, one, I mean, these players are helping us build our brands, you know, they're putting themselves out there on our stuff and, you know, we're able to build our brands from them and, and help them showcase themselves. So, you know, why not be able to try and do everything we can to, give them their opportunities yeah because that's something we didn't have i mean like i i couldn't tell you you know i didn't go to a pbr event in high school like it it was you know that was honestly pbr it was to me then i i didn't know that that was the best option at the time i didn't know that that's what i should be doing every year is going to multiple pbr events like had i known that you know maybe maybe things are a little different but you know i i didn't and and that's something i want i want kids to see that you know, there's so many different ways you can go if you want to be successful and just finding ways to show them how to find that success is really, you know, what I'm driven to do with this. And, you know, there's, there's so many things, so many ideas that run through your head that you want to do with this stuff. And, you know, you want to keep going and and just finding a lane and trying to navigate through that is I think the most important thing right now. That's why, you know, when we got launched, it was, it was very much like my wife and I are sitting there and I, and she's, she's trying to get me to, she's pushing me. She's like, you just need to, you just need to decide. You just need to decide. You just need to decide. You got, you got your logo, you got, you know, your name, like what, what do you want your name? And then I had, you know, I had this list full of names and I'm, I'm going through them and I'm like, oh, I don't like sign to that. I don't like that. And I don't like that. And honestly, diamond prospects media was not at all what I thought I was going to go with at all. And then, you know, she, she said it a few times and she was like, I, I think that sounds good. And I was like, yeah, but, but you're not, you're not in the baseball. You don't see all the baseball content. You don't know. And then she's like, she's like, just, just trust me here. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, she starts playing around on a uh, logo generator and stuff. And then she, you know, she ends up downloading some other apps, starts messing around with some logos and then I'm doing the same. And then next thing we know, we both kind of look at a logo that we're both like, that looks really clean. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm like, all right, screw it. Send it to me. Send me the PDF. Like, let's get it going and made the Instagram that day. And was like, all right, well, we got to start driving some content out there now. And, you know, learning, learning how to be more present on social media is a big thing too, that we're trying to grow into is, you know, learning the, you know, how many posts a day, how many hashtags, all this, all that stuff for the growth aspect has been, it's, it's weird. It's something new. It's something I never really kind of anticipated doing, but honestly, you know, being a couple of weeks in, like there's still so much, and we're, we're so close to that hundred, hundred, follower goal like that was the first goal is get to 100 like once we get to 100 it's just keep moving from there just keep going up keep getting more people to see the page keep getting more people to interact and you know right now I we're gonna be around Mooresville a lot this season and one that's because I've trained and coached some of those players and you know it's close to me um we're gonna showcase them a lot and they're a top ranked team in the state if through the PBR rankings and I think even max pref rankings possibly um I mean, they're just a good team. I, you know, I like seeing those players have success. I like seeing those guys. So, you know, this year it's, it's really driven to showcasing Mooresville and what their run looks like for this year, you know, and, and Brendan and I, Bryce, you know, uh, Selby and even Hogan, you know, all of them, I, you know, we've had that, that conversation or that, that we've said it before, like, look, like if you guys are going to do it, this is your year. Like go get, go get that state title this year. Like, you know, there's, there's other good teams, but you guys, you guys know how to just get those bats going when you need to your defense can step up when they need to. And your pitching just, it, it's, it's got a good rotation. You guys have good arms that can get you there. So, you know, showcasing them a lot this year. And then from there, you know, 
each year just kind of finding you know different ways different avenues different teams players to just keep showcasing and you know following you know obviously we got max clark in the state he's put on for indiana baseball he's i mean it's it's crazy to see a kid that he has more followers than you know some professionals out there like he's he's doing the thing that kid's that kid's gonna be a stud yeah i i so actually i saw a video the other day well First off, that was kind of, you kind of dug into my final question there. So, I mean, that's all the questions I got for you. Uh, just because my final question was just going to be your visions for the future when it comes to diamond prospects and for you personally, kind of, you kind of already dug into that, but no, with Max Clark, I mean, I saw that video the other day by put on by a disarm. I'm sure you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, 90, I think Max Clark has more followers than 95% of major league baseball players, which yep. is crazy to wrap your head around. Like, you know, this year with the draft, you know, I'm sure he'll probably jump up to, shoot me maybe 300,000 followers after, you know, whatever team picks yeah. up, all their fans are going to start following him. You give them, I mean, the team's going to take him pretty slow through the minors, but you know, you give him three years and he's a major league baseball player there, you know, 21, 22 years old. Yeah. Well, I, and that's a, that's a question for you. You're in his shoes. Okay. And now you have these NIL deals out there that you can go and you can make that money in college, right? Like he can go make a signing bonus from the league in his first two years in school at Vanderbilt being, you know, the most popular player to come out of high school. And I mean, probably ever, honestly, like, I, I mean, tell me another player who's more famous, you know, you're probably going to have our dad sit there, Derek Jeter or something like that back in the day. And it's like, no, this kid is, he's got to be the biggest name to come out of high school baseball. I mean, I, I always you, compare him to Bryce. I always compare him to Bryce Harper when it comes to that. Obviously yeah. Bryce Harper was before, the whole social media age, but you know, Bryce Harper's on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16. Yep. Like, I mean, I think obviously Max's game is somewhat similar, not exactly when it comes to the power, but I mean, I, I whenever I think look at Max Clark and I talk to him, I don't for some reason I just think of Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, and that's uh, that's a really good comparison, especially like just his, yeah, like his swag with the game, the way he carries himself, like very much. That's that's a, I mean, that's a really good comparison, but I guess like if you're in his shoes, what do you do? You go first overall pick and sign, or do you go to Vandy, go try to win a Nash, national championship one, two years, and then go go play in the league? Like, you know, you always talk about, well, risk of injury, risk of, you know, not being the number one player in the country anymore here in a few years, like people passing them up or whatever. Like, when you have this opportunity at your fingertips, like, go make millions as a college player with an NIL at the best school in the country for baseball, or – go first overall more than likely and go be a stud in the minors for a few years. And then, like you said, be in the league by 2021. Like, I mean, like that's such like a, he's at such a really cool crossroad right now. Like that would be, I couldn't imagine being 18 and having to think about, okay, what road do I want to go down here? Like, which way do we go? I mean, every kid's dream is the league right so like for me i'm i'm thinking screw it we're signing that deal we're signing that dotted line give me that jersey let me go play in the minors for a few years let me grind it out i see i i i don't know when his birthday is i think it's going to be a bit i don't know if he'd be a sophomore eligible or a junior eligible draft pick i just i don't know when his birthday is i would have to look at that but no i mean he's he's gonna be the first guy i think ever to actually have to deal with that type of decision because for the most part you know before nil these kids i mean if it, if it was 2019 and max clark was being drafted i mean no doubt you know be a top be a top four pick you know sign that contract and you have that signing bonus but you know now with nil and again you know 99.9 percent of baseball players will never have to deal with that because they'll never have the following of max clark 
Yeah. But with them having that opportunity and you see all for football, especially for football, basketball, seeing that thrown around all the money thrown around to those guys, like Max is going to be probably that one of those first couple baseball players to have that football slash basket football and basketball type of following to where, you know, money like that could come, you know, I don't really know a lot of that stuff, you know, isn't out there to the public when it comes to, you know, you see Bryce Young signing that Jaden Rashada going to the whole, I don't know if you follow football very well. I don't, but I heard the whole Rashada story with Miami, Florida, going to Arizona state, stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, Max is going to be the first guy to have to actually have that decision, I believe, and probably one of the only guys for a while. Yeah. Um, so it's like you said, it's going to be interesting to see this summer. I mean, I personally think he's just going to go to the draft and not worry about Vandy. But then again, if he does go to Vandy, great baseball program there, he'll probably go win a couple national championships. They got a couple good recruiting classes with, with, with his class. I mean, the class above him with the Canich, who's come, who's there, a couple yeah. other good freshmen. I mean, he doesn't have a bad choice, but no, he doesn't. Who, who knows? I'm curious yeah. to see what happens this summer. Yeah, I am too, man. It's going to be interesting. It's so cool to see that come out of Indiana too. Like that's frankly, especially Franklin community. That's where I grew up. You know, most of my life was down there, downtown Franklin. And just thinking about like putting it on the map the way he has, it's just such a cool thing to see and such a, you know, opportunity that, you know, not many kids from this state are going to get even in the next couple of years. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, definitely gonna have to catch a couple games of his this year. I, you know, I haven't been out there because we already know that there's 12 filmers out there. There's, you know, 35,000 people trying to come into that game. You know, they all want to see Max Clark, which that's awesome for him and awesome for the community. But, you know, when there's already so many people out there getting it, you know, again, that comes back to what I said earlier, like, there's only a couple people, a couple of these guys and brands that go out to showcase this, you know, and there's, there's more players, more teams than there are us. So, you know, how many, how many of those games can we actually make it to? So, you know, that's one thing I, you know, like beating myself up tonight. I can't make Devon start really want to make that one, but you know, goal is next week, definitely get to that third start of the season for him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pumped to watch Devon at some point this, this spring as well. Like I'll probably actually probably next week, if he's pitching, if he's pitching a home game or another game here somewhere around the area, you know, I'll definitely go watch him because like I said, watch him at battle of Indiana. I was like, who, like who the hell is this guy talking to his dad and just watching him just dominate hearing some great things from Cooper Trinkle there at PBR Indiana. Uh, I mean, just an absolute monster from what Cooper's telling me. So I, yeah. I'm, pumped to, I'm pumped to go watch him here these, within these next couple of weeks. Hopefully I, I make it up before I go back north um, to to home when school ends. But um, just I'm just hoping I watch Hudson. But no, yeah. I mean that's when it comes to the podcast. You know that's that's all the questions I got for you, man. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show, digging into Diamond Prospects, digging into your training, digging into Brandon Oliver, that 2024 since he committed at Mooresville, um, Indiana Braves as well. Just just thanks for coming on the show, digging into that with me as well. Dude, um, I appreciate you having me. Hey, of course. And best of luck, you know, as you're growing diamond prospects, you know, obviously with most of us, with, with us being, you know, probably 30 minute drive from each other, we'll probably be in connection quite a bit, but just best of luck as you're growing that brand, you know, continue, continue as a, as a head coach there for the Indiana Braves as well. And, you know, just building ball players. just best of luck with that. And just like I said, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you letting me get out here and showcase what we've got going on. And, you know, it's a big opportunity for me. I appreciate you.